conspicuous than a face tattoo it's like when someone's got a face tattoo it's like it's on there like you can't miss that thing and God's seal for those who are his it's so conspicuous and in a lot of ways our lives should be conspicuously his I think of the early apostles it says that the Sanhedrin council knew that they had been with Jesus there was a conspicuousness to their faith Now, maybe it's not as obvious as a face tattoo, but is your life in Christ evident to other people? Not in a beat people over the head with Bible verses way, but in quiet humility. But Pastor Daniel is going to be teaching about something more like the face tattoo. At the end of the last days, God's going to mark some of his people in a way that's going to make it obvious that they belong to someone besides the Antichrist or the beast. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 22. As he begins his message, the time is near. Today's the day that we bring our little bit more than a year-long study in the book of Revelation to a close. How many of you are stoked about that? No, I'm the only one? Okay. (laughs) Open up your Bibles, Revelation 22, the very last chapter in your Bible. When we started the book of Revelation, it seems like an eternity ago, the very first of the Beatitudes of the book of Revelation, the blessed are, says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, blessed are those who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep the things that are contained within it for the time is near. So as we do and learn from Revelation chapter 22 today, if you've been traveling with us, we've been blessed to read it and to hear it. And the key for all of us is going to be that we do the things that we're learning. And that's what God is always interested in. He's interested in us, not just hearing things, but doing it. The book of James, that faith without works is dead. And in a lot of ways, if I've said it in this pulpit once, I've said it thousands of times that we love the outcome, but God loves the process. We love getting to the destination, but God loves the person that we are becoming in the journey. So as excited as I am today to close out what has been like over a year of study in the book of Revelation, I'm even more excited about the people that God has us becoming as we're on the journey. That God wants us every single day to say, Jesus, I want to grow. We keep saying that we're not what we used to be and we're not what we're going to be. But today is a day to take a step to simply respond to Jesus in the right direction. And that's really what our hope is, is that each one of us will be able to look back over the last year. When we get to the end of this year, we'll be able to look back and say, I'm more like Jesus than when the year began. And the key for each one of us, I think, is just to keep showing up to that and saying, God, do the work that you want to do in my life. So Revelation 22, 
It's amazing how as this book ends and how our Bibles close, it kind of ties all the pieces in together really beautifully. So let's jump on in. Revelation chapter 22, verse 1. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Verse 4, they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. If you recall in Revelation chapter 21, we saw that God's making all things new and he brings in this new heaven and new earth and he brings in this new Jerusalem. And so we pick up in verse 22 in chapter 22 and we're seeing more details of what goes on in the new Jerusalem, what it looks like. But really what we learn in these verses here is that God's goal for us is that we can see the face of God. God wants us to be able to see his face. Now, what's interesting is in the New Jerusalem, and I get this right from verse 4, they shall see his face. See how specific that is? It's not they might see his face, or if they're lucky, they see his face. It says, they shall see his face. So in the New Jerusalem, we're going to be able to be face-to-face with God. But if you know your Bible, you realize that on this side of eternity, we actually don't get to see God face-to-face. Remember, Moses asked God in Exodus chapter 33, he says, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, actually, no one can see my face and live. And so remember, he put him on a rock and he kind of shielded him and he kind of walked by him. And so in all through our Bibles, we keep running into this idea that nobody can see God face to face. And the apostle Paul summed it up pretty powerfully in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. Beautiful, hopeful verse where it says, for now... We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know just as I am known. So part of the journey of following Jesus on this side of eternity is all of us see in a mirror dimly. We don't have the clarity that we would want. We see God in the person and work of Jesus, but we are walking by faith and not by sight. And we are all longing for the ability to see clearly. And really the journey of faith is us being able to say, there are things that I know, but there's things that I don't know. We have to retain that sense of mystery. The Bible tells us a lot of things, but not everything. It has everything we need for life and godliness, but doesn't show us everything about everything. But there is coming a day when we will see God face to face. There is coming a day where the things that we know in part, we will know in full. And that is the new Jerusalem when we are home with Jesus. And that's something that gets me so excited. I don't know about you, but I have a whole box full of questions that I have for God when I get to heaven. Am I the only one with one of those? I have so many questions like, did Adam have a belly button? (laughs) That's a legit question, isn't it? 
Here's another question. God, did you create a rock so big that you can't move it? You guys ever hear that one? No, okay, never mind, move on. Or I'm like, Lord, tell me about how Enoch actually walked with you and was not. Or, God, who are the sons of God who had children with the daughters of men in the book of Genesis? Anybody else like, what's that all about? Yeah, I can do this all day with you, like all the questions that I have. And I always think to myself that one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to sit down with the Lord and be like, okay, Lord, here's all my questions. Like, why did you take my mom home so early? All these questions, you know? But then I realized that when we're there, we will know as we're known. I don't have to ask God the questions. We'll understand it all then. But the key for us is to learn how to maintain the joy and the excitement about life, even though we realize we do see through a glass dimly. We don't see in all of the beautiful kaleidoscope of colors of life. We don't understand it all. And as much as we do understand from the Bible, there's still things that we look forward to understanding. Now, what I love so much about the way chapter 22 starts is we start up that in the New Jerusalem, there's this river of the water of life, and it's totally clear, and it's proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, and it's in the middle of the street, and on either side of the river, there's these like lines of this tree of life, and each tree, there's 12 different fruits that are being born, and each tree is bearing fruit every month, and then even the leaves are for the healing of the nations. And so you have to realize that John is writing this. He's in Patmos, which was like a rock quarry. It was a mining colony for the Roman Empire. And they had been living in Israel, which is a much more desert and arid climate. So we see the new Jerusalem in all of its flourishing with the river of living water, with these trees that are constantly bearing fruit, all these different types of fruit, so much so that even the leaves are for the healing of the nations. It's such a profound picture. But when I read this, I automatically thought about that idea that there's this embodiment of the rivers of living water. And it made me think immediately of John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38, where Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the scriptures have testified, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in the Greek language, the word river is not like a drought river where it's like a little drip, drip, drip. It literally means a gusher. How many of you have ever seen the waterfalls in Yosemite National Park in Eastern California? Man, when you go there in the springtime, when all of the snow runoff, it's a gusher. And it literally says, and then John says, Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. And so in the New Jerusalem, there will be the embodiment of what should be happening in all of our lives if you're a born-again follower of Jesus, where the Spirit of God not only reaches you, but actually flows through you and out of you. That our lives are God's plan for his rivers of living water to flow through us. And then also we have that there's the tree and he calls them the tree of life. And so you realize here how in the new Jerusalem, it's all about life. And one of the things I love so much is that God isn't asking us as his children to focus on, well, in heaven, it'll all be about life. He's asking us to work on life on this side of eternity. That the people of God should always be for life in all of its forms, at all times. 
Because we realize that in the new Jerusalem, it's the tree of life, there's the water of life, there's the healing of the nations, and we get to be the foretaste of that on this side of eternity. So we live in this world in such a way where we're saying we are the kind of people who we want to give life, we want to promote life. We're working for life at all times, because that's what's going on here in the new Jerusalem. Now, what's also powerful about this, in verse 3 it tells us, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servant shall serve him. Now, I like this because there's no more curse, it says. And of course, the curse that most likely is being talked about here is the curse of sin. So what's interesting is it says his servants serve him in the New Jerusalem, which is what we get to do now, but there'll come a time when we'll be serving God, but there'll be no curse of sin. Everything around us, everything that we hear about reminds us of the curse of sin. Even right now, we're, we're grieving the news coming out of Turkey and Syria with a great earthquake. There are over 20,000 people confirmed have passed away. They don't even know the number of people who are still buried or unaccounted for yet. But every time I hear about an earthquake, I always think of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, where he tells us that all of creation groans and labors with birth pangs for the revealing of the children of God. It's like when you hear of an earthquake, you think the earth is having a labor pain because it's waiting for the curse of sin to be undone in its fullness when Jesus returns. And so there's coming a day when there'll be no more curse. We saw previously there'll be no more pain and no more crying and every tear will be wiped away from every eye. So we have this beautiful renewal that's coming. And I love it. They shall see his face. I can't wait to see the face of our God. Not dimly, but face to face. And his name shall be on their foreheads. I love that. Is there anything more conspicuous than a face tattoo? It's like when someone's got a face tattoo, it's like, it's on there. Like, you can't miss that thing. And God's seal for those who are his, it's so conspicuous. And in a lot of ways, our lives should be conspicuously his. I think of the early apostles. It says that the Sanhedrin council knew that they had been with Jesus. There was a conspicuousness to their faith. And we want to be those type of people who people know that we have been with Jesus. And verse 5 tells us that there's no light there, there's no lamp, there's no light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And we had seen that in chapter 21 as well, where Jesus is the light. And Jesus is our light right now. Now, as we move on from here in verse 6, look what it says next. Revelation 22, it says, Then he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which will shortly take place. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Now, of course, this teaches us what it says right in the middle of verse 7, which is simply that Jesus will return soon. Behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus says. Now, if you fast forward a little, verse 12 says, and behold, I am coming quickly. And then Revelation 22, 
verse 20 says, surely I am coming quickly. So I always like to remind you that when the Holy Spirit says the exact same thing three times in one chapter, it's because he knows that we're super thick-headed. It's like all of us. How many of you ever had someone who repeats something to him like 87 times? So I did this just yesterday. Then was going to the grocery store and I said, hey, whatever you do, don't forget to pick up some fruity pebbles. Why? Because every Super Bowl party is better with fruity pebbles. Can I get an amen? Some of you are like, wait, what are you talking about? Listen, wings and fruity pebbles is perfect. You don't believe me? Try it. I said three times, I'm like, hey, don't forget the fruity pebbles. She's like, Daniel, I got the fruity pebbles. And sure enough, she got the big box and the kids were already eating them. I'm like, listen, we got to save those for the Super Bowl. But why do you remind someone you think they're going to forget? And here's the deal. For 2,000 years, the people of God, the church has been living in the soon return of Jesus, the reality of it. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus' return is closer than it has ever been in the history of humanity. So our job is not to, Jesus is coming back, look busy. Our job is Jesus is coming back, so we should be about our Father's business. So that when he does come back, we are all the way in the middle of exactly what God has for us. Jesus, because he was crucified and resurrected, because he ascended into heaven, the angels told us he's going to come back in like manner. And we need to be the kind of people who live with that expectancy. God expects us in light of the soon return of Jesus to live our lives with intentionality and live lives with purpose. It's one of the things that I love so much about being part of the body of Christ, part of the people of God, because all of us are always in the process of letting the Lord clarify, this is how it have you live. This is what I want you to do. This is who I am calling you to be. The body of Christ is not a museum for saints. This is a training ground. We are growing every single day. And so what I want to encourage you, because Jesus is coming back soon, what is it that God wants to form into your life now? Where do you need to start today? There are some of you right now, today is the day that you stop drinking every day. Why? Because you know that when Jesus returns, he's not going to be impressed with how you spent that time. There's an old Chinese, like, kind of aphorism. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So you have to realize we have to start somewhere. And it's one of these we don't like in our culture because we all want to be perfect at everything. But anytime you start anything, you have to start at the beginning. Just this weekend, I got a chance to go play some music with Jay Coder, who's a great guitar player in Portland. And I remember when I first got an upright bass. And I remember I'd been playing the electric bass, and I saw a guy playing an upright. I'm like, that guy's the coolest guy in the room because he's got the biggest instrument. You know what I mean? Just like I just walk in, you see this guy with this big bass. I'm like, man, that guy has got it going on. I need to get one of those. And so I remember I got it, and I like didn't even know how to play it. It was just like it was so much bigger than what I was used to. There's no frets on it. So you, there's all this stuff. And I remember when I first started playing, I'm like, I'm never going to be good at this. But I'm so happy that now, I mean, I got my first bass when I was like. 19, and now I'm definitely not 19. I'm so happy I never quit playing the bass. Because I'm out playing with my buddy Jay Coder, and we're playing, and we're having these great moments. I'm playing stuff, I'm like, it's so cool I know how to do that. But I realize the only reason I know how to do that is because 
20-something years ago, I started playing the bass, and I just kept chipping away at it. And so much of life in Christ, growing in Christ, comes down to starting doing something and just keep chipping away at it. And isn't that true? Like, in anything that's worth anything, you have to start at the beginning, and if you keep showing up and you keep doing it, like, whoever is playing in the Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure that none of the people playing just started playing football today. Like, along the way, they started playing the game. And they weren't all superstars when they started, but they started and they learned, they get coached up and all, and they grow in all these different things. And the same is true spiritually. It's one of the things I love about what God is doing in our church family in this season. Because so many people right now are like, man, I know that I'm supposed to be in a group. So I'm plugging on into a group. I know I'm supposed to grow with my brothers, my sisters. Hey, I know I need to get my life together. So I'm going to celebrate recovery. Hey, I know this. I know that. And people are just stepping in. But what is it that God is asking you to step into today? Because God wants us to be about the work of his family, about the work of his kingdom. And that involves us living lives with purpose. And the return of Jesus kind of drives us into this purpose. Now, as John hears this, behold, I'm coming quickly. And notice, this is the sixth of the seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, again, it doesn't say just blessed are those who hear it. You have to keep it. God's plan for all of us is that our faith becomes actionable. Where it's like we hear it and then we say, Lord, how do I live this out? Keeping it means like I am trying to seek after embodying this with what I can do. And then when John sees and hears this, it says in verse 8 that he falls down and he begins to worship this angel. And the angel is like, Johnny, don't do that. He's like, I'm just like you. I'm just one of the fellow, I'm fellow servants. I'm one of the, the brethren of the prophets. I, I keep God's word. Just make sure you worship God. Now, we saw John do something very, very similar a couple chapters back. And it's just a great reminder that even if you think like, man, the apostle John, I mean, he wrote the gospel of John, first, second, and third John, and the revelation, and he's making like a rookie mistake in the things of God by not worshiping God. So when you see that, we need to make sure that we are people who only worship God. Now, worship is when you ascribe worth to something. Now, one of the mistakes that we can all make, and I quote, Martin Luther, the reformer. I don't agree with everything Martin Luther said. So I know we live in a day and age you quote somebody and if somebody says something wrong, you shouldn't quote anybody as if everyone has to be right all the time. The only person who's right all the time is who? Everybody else is wrong sometimes. Amen. And a lot of times. And so we chew on the meat and spit out the bones. Can I get an amen? That was a fun little aside. Cultural framing. But Martin Luther says that really all sin begins with the sin of false worship or idolatry. Pastor Daniel's right. Heaven is a place to look forward to, being able to finally be finished with your tasks on earth. To have a body without aches and pains will be itself glorious. Pastor Daniel's teaching today was encouraging. Since you're not yet in heaven and you have to deal with all the tasks that are yet to be finished, you were reminded that God's got his eyes on you. He's going to see you through to the end. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel closes out his teaching, The Time Is Near. He'll be talking about the importance of finishing this earthly race well. You'll be encouraged to look at your life and to question what things you might be putting in first place ahead of your relationship with Jesus. And Pastor Daniel will be urging you to do the hard work and rearrange your priorities to be more pleasing to God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues through this series, A Year of Revelation. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.